Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to a brand new episode of the Grizzly Bear Bets podcast on the Grizzly Bear Blues Podcast Network. I'm your host, Chase Bobbitt. Today is Monday, October 10th, 2022, and we are back for episode two of the podcast. So I appreciate everyone who showed support on the first episode going over Memphis Grizzly team futures. I really appreciate it, and I'm excited to be back for episode two and the last episode before the season gets underway. So again, not gambling advice. I don't take any kind of responsibility for any wagers you guys may place. And also, we are using DraftKings for all those odds. So that is important because a lot of these props seem to be DraftKings specific. I haven't looked at any of the other books, but some of them are, are lines that I would only imagine DraftKings even has to offer because there's some interesting creative lines out there. So take that into account as always. And let's get right into it with the longest odds of the day. The one that, just like last time, is the most fun to bet, especially if you're a Grizzlies fan, and that is Ja Morant to win the MVP, which is currently sitting at plus 1,500. So that's the eighth best odds according to DraftKings. So seven players that they believe, I guess, should win the MVP over Ja. Don't get why that's the case. Luka's the favorite. Joel Embiid is second at plus 650. Luka's around plus 450 right now. And the NBA wants Luka to win it. Let's make that very clear. He's kind of the next guy who should take over as the face of the NBA. They really wanted to win it last year, and all the the books and the odds makers and everything was pointing at Luka to take it last year. But obviously, he started the season slow, and then you kind of had this advanced analytic fascination with um, Jokic, and then Joel Embiid just played at a very, very high level all season. So those are the two favorites. John Morant, for the eighth best odds, according to the book, in my opinion, should be the third is the third most likely to win the award. It's always with the MVP. The NBA wants new players winning it. They want to have all these, you know, basically just show the talent in the NBA. If you have multiple MVPs every year, it shows that you just have great talent throughout the league. It just makes more sense than just giving the award to the same person. So Jokic is fifth in the, the voting odds. No chance that he wins it again unless he just averages 30, 20, and 10, or some crazy kind of stat line it would take for Jokic. Giannis, same thing. He's in that LeBron category where at this point he's so great consistently that it will take a a massive jump in statistics and a massive jump in team success for him to win another. Kevin Durant in Brooklyn makes no sense to me. Brooklyn's a dumpster fire. Even if they figure it out, they won't be the one seed, which for Kevin Durant's sake at this age, playing playing with Kyrie Irving, it would take a lot. Jason Tatum at plus 1,200 is blows my mind how he's in front of Ja. The coaching situation there is a mess. Boston didn't really seem to get much better. And Tatum's a great player, don't get me wrong, but to be in front of Ja makes no sense. And then Steph's also at plus 1,200, which kind of similar to Giannis, kind of similar to LeBron. It's, it's just tough for him to win it just because of how great he's been for so long. So with all that being said, you have Ja who's getting the third in my opinion, the third bet most likely to win the award, getting the eighth best odds, there's a ton of value there, which is important when you're making these these future bets. So take that into account just for that reason. I think it's worth a shot. He had an 8.3 points per game last season, 4% better from three from year two to three. Um, I'm expecting a jump again, and we'll talk about some of these, these props overlap each other. So I'll talk about his points per game and what I expect there. But I'm expecting between 28 to 29 points per game. So if Jock can be available because the big thing is you have to play 60, 65 games to 
really qualify for this award. Anything less than that, people aren't going to to consider you. And that was one of his big, big flaws last year because he made the push at some point. I don't. At some point, he was probably in the top three with Jokic and with um, Embiid to win the award, but just kind of tapered off towards the end. So if Jaw can stay available, if he can get his 28, 29 points per game, maybe even push 30 with just how, how well I'm expecting him to play this season, I think he has a case. It doesn't seem to matter team success as much in the past to win the award, considering Jokic was the sixth seed in the West last year and won the award. Year before that, they were the third seed when he won it. So you don't have to be a one or two seed to win the award. With that being said, if the Grizzlies were to get the one or two seed, John Morantz puts up these numbers, play the game. He's got to be guaranteed to get it just because that's two years in a row that the Grizzlies almost over exceeded expectations. And he had a big, big part to play in that. Luka's the one that the NBA wants to win just because internationally and marketability of him makes the most sense. And then Joel Embiid, I think, is going to win it at plus 650. I think that's a good bet to make. Should he have won it last year? In my opinion, yes. I know the advanced analytics leaned Jokic, but and Joel Embiid's come out and said, I, I don't care anymore. I've done everything I can to win this award. doesn't matter to me. The voters are known to, and they've done it before. They've done it in the coach of the year, which we'll talk about in a second. They've done it in the MVP where they almost correct themselves, feel bad from years past, and and kind of make things right. So Joel Embiid probably should have won it last year, and the 76ers have gotten better. They've filled out that roster, made some moves around the edges that should make them the one seed in the East, top two seeds in the East. In my personal opinion, I think they're the best team in the East. James Harden coming back. A lot less distractions than years prior. Got a full training camp with the team. A lot's pointing to Joel Embiid to win it. Luka's going to be thrown in our faces. Luka's the next big thing, and I get that, and that time will come, and Luka's virtually guaranteed to get one at some point in his career. So wouldn't surprise me if he has a good season for him to, to really be in that mix. I expect him to be. But John Morant definitely should be in the race, in my personal opinion. And with that being said, only eight players have won an MVP while being 23 years old or younger, which Jaw just turned 23 in August. So even if you were to win it, he'd be one of the youngest players of all time to do so. Derek Rose, who my personal favorite player of all time, a player that Jaw's drawn comparisons to a lot, especially because of that jump that he made last year. Year two Derek Rose, year two Jaw to year three Derek Rose, year three Jaw is very similar in terms of obviously the points per game or in Jaw's favor. I think Jaw's a better player. Derrick Rose, probably more athletic in a different way just because of how powerful he was. So up to this point, career trajectories are very similar. Knock on wood because after that, we, we know what happened with Derrick Rose. Um, but yeah, so John Morant, plus 1,500. I like to throw a little bit on it just to, to have that base covered because there's a good chance he could win it. And he's going to get one in his career maybe a little bit too soon. Within the next three years, if, if there was something to bet John Morant to win an MVP, I would definitely be playing that. So that's the MVP odds, plus 1,500 for John Morant. An exciting bet to make always. And one that you, you follow throughout the year and it cha- ever-changing. Um, so that's that. The second longest odds that we have of the day is actually Coach of the Year, which is Taylor Jenkins' Coach of the Year at plus 1,000 on the DraftKings 
sportsbook currently. So Monty Williams won the award last year, and in my opinion, Taylor Jenkins was robbed. This is one of those things that I spoke about in the MVP conversation just a second ago where I think the voters corrected a mistake from the year past where Tom Thibodeau won it when Monty Williams probably should have won it the year that the Suns made the NBA Finals. So that's what I see. That's what I saw happen last year. I think Taylor Jenkins is the front runner for a reason. The Grizzlies showed last year a huge part of the 20 to 5 record that they had without John Morant, even with John Morant, the fact that they were the two seed, blowing away all expectations had to do with Taylor Jenkins. Came into the league relatively unknown and or came into the Grizzlies role relatively unknown to the average fan. How well he's done, the culture that he's allowed to he's allowed to grow in Memphis. He's the perfect perfect person for that and who else is really competing for him again he's the favorite at plus 1000 besides that just looking at the odds chris finch is at plus 1000 as well in minnesota i think the minnesota hype i spoke about this last episode it's very high why would chris finch win it because they they probably i mean they have better players if you probably looked you know top to bottom Compared to the Grizzlies, and I, I just would expect the Timberwolves. If Taylor Jenkins didn't win it for getting second in the West last year, why would Chris Finch win it when the Timberwolves are really going to get four through six at best this upcoming season in the playoff seating? So don't get that. Um, Joe Mazula, if I pronounced that correctly, the interim coach for the Boston Celtics, is actually third on this list. And then Tyrone Liu at plus 1,300 would be the only one that I really see to be a direct threat or direct competitor to Taylor Jenkins for this award. Clippers are coming back fully fully reloaded. In my opinion, one of the best teams in the NBA coming into the season. Healthy Kawhi Leonard, healthy Paul George, John Wall. We'll see what that will happen there. But I think – and Ty Liu's a great coach, and it's been – now he's gotten away from the whole Cleveland thing and consistently, especially when it comes to in-game, in-game decision-making, in-game adjustments, the best in, in the NBA, in my personal opinion. And then to round it out, top six, you have Eric Spolstra, who's always going to be in the mix, and then Steve Nash at plus 1,400, which is an absolute joke considering Kevin Durant wanted him fired two months ago. So Taylor Jenkins at plus 1,000, I'm very comfortable with taking that. If you're comfortable with the Grizzlies continuing the success, which at this point, I don't think it's really a debate as if the Grizzlies are going to be successful. It's just how successful will they be, if that makes sense. They're going to be a good team. They're going to be one of the best teams in the West. I've said that. I said that last week. I'll continue to say that. So Taylor Jenkins at plus 1,000, in my personal opinion, is a great, great line to have and one of my favorite that we'll talk about today. So Taylor Jenkins, Coach of the Year, plus 1,000 again. I think that's a great bet to make. Next one we have on the list is John Morant, first team All-NBA. So John Morant, obviously last season was an All-Star starter, and then he was second team All-NBA. He lost out to Devin Booker and Luka Doncic for first team All-NBA, which All-NBA, one of those things that considering how important it is, because All-Star, it really doesn't matter as much, but with All-NBA, just the contractual implications that it has should be a lot more ironed out in terms of how it's decided in terms of how the criteria is met in in terms of positions which at this point the NBA is so positionless that the fact that that's even a thing is a whole nother issue and they tried to get around it last year because of how good you know 
Jokic and Embiid were. They were allowing people to somehow vote for one of the two as a forward, but they didn't really specify it. And at the end of the day, Embiid ended up getting the second-team All-NBA because Jokic won the MVP and and was the center on first-team All-NBA. So with all that being said, assuming that they take the two guards and they classify Luka as a guard, you really have Ja competing with Luka and Steph for those two spots. So you have Ja, Steph, Luka trying to get two spots. So you have three guys competing for two spots. Devin Booker, I don't see getting back in that mix. The Suns seem to have... The Suns won't be as good as they were this past season. So for Devin Booker to get back, it would ask for a lot. Chris Paul's getting older. The whole whole thing about that team, in my personal opinion, has worn off. So Lucas, Steph, Jaw, Jaw's getting plus 220. I love those odds, personally. It could be one of those things where could you classify Luka as a forward? I don't know. But I would go Jaw and Luka as those first-team All-NBA. At this point, does Steph really have to gun for a first-team All-NBA? Not really. He can co- He has such a good team around him at this point. Coming off an NBA Finals MVP, he's not going to be gunning for something like first-team All-NBA. Warriors will probably coast for a bit. They've, they've proven what they've had to prove. Last season, obviously, the Warriors were coming back and had a lot to prove. They've done that. Healthy, healthy clay from the start. Wiseman, all these guys kind of coming back. I just don't really see a reason for Steph. And Steph's going to be great. Steph's going to do his thing. But all NBA isn't isn't like that. All NBA seems to always be the the younger guys, the uh, the exciting guys who are kind of making their mark in the league. I know that you have the consistent Giannis's and stuff like that. But I'd go Luka and Ja. So you're getting Ja plus two twenty for first team All NBA. I like that a lot. I think that's a good bet. I think at plus two twenty, you're getting enough value in that bet. That's worth locking the money up for that long. And in my opinion, again, it goes hand in hand with the MVP. You could really just load up. If you're really, and I'm one of those people who all in on Ja Morant, all in on year four Ja to be be one of the best things the NBA sees this upcoming season, load up on all this stuff, and, and I bet you you know, some of them will hit. So Ja Morant, first team All-NBA, third prop that we'll talk about today. And we'll go from there to a, a, talking about a brand new player, talking about a player we have not talked about yet. Talked about John enough up to this point, and that is Desmond Bain, which this I know for a fact this is a DraftKings exclusive because it's under a, a different tab. It's not under just normal rec or sorry, it's not under normal player stats on the tab. It's under team specials, Memphis Grizzlies. There's a list of I guess different scenarios that could happen that all have pretty big odds because they're all almost combined um, odds. So you have like, you know, Dylan Brooks and Desmond Bain that both average 20 points per game plus 1,500. That's not one of the one we're going to talk about, but those kind of odds are the ones that are on here. So the one that we're looking at is Desmond Bain to average 22 points per game, which is at plus 850 currently, which is not his normal, is not his actual over-under, obviously, points per game for the season. This is just a, a boost or an alternate points per game prop that they have. So you're looking at it, you think Desmond Bain plus 850 to average 22 points per game. He averaged 18 and a half points per game last season, third on the team. Uh, I think Dylan Brooks averaged like 0.1 points more. He didn't play nearly as much. So take that what you will. He doubled his points per game from last season. Or for, sorry, he doubled his points per game last season compared to his rookie year. He's at this point, especially 
the fact that Jaron Jackson Jr. will not be in the lineup to start. He's going to get more shots. And so we'll talk about two at the same time. So I was going to actually break these up, but it makes sense to talk about them together. So you have Bain average 22 points per game is plus 850. And then the other one, just because they kind of go hand in hand, would be Desmond Bain over under three and a half threes. Sorry, 3.2 threes per game. So last year he averaged a clean three per game. He attempted 6.9 shots per game, which is not in the top 25 in terms of three points attempted per game. So it just blows my mind that this is the stats here, and especially on the three and a half points per game. So we'll talk 22 points per game, just to sum that up really quick. I don't think he hits that. I think he's a little bit lower than that. I think he's in the 19 to 20 range. And the main reason for that, to average 22 points per game consistently, Bain still, uh, he's going to have good games. He's going to have average games, right? He's not the main guy, especially when Jaron comes back. Maybe Bain can get up there early, but once Jaron comes back, I think Bain will kind of regress back down to that 18 to 19 point per game range. So, Last season, C.J. McCollum, Brandon Ingram, Pascal Siakam, James Harden were the four guys who averaged 22 points per game. And then obviously had players more than that. But those two hit 22 points per game on the lower end. I don't see Bain having the offensive... The team won't rely on Desmond Bain enough to score 22 points per game the same way that those teams... That I, the players that I just mentioned were relied on by their teams for them to average 22 points per game. I know I'm kind of all over the place with this Desmond Bain one, but um, that's kind of where I sit there. So 22 points per game at plus 850. I guess if you think Desmond Bain's just going to go crazy, it's a lot of points per game, though. You have to remember that. Plus 850, do with that what you will. But going to the next one, which I kind of jumped the gun and talked about it early, but the more this is one that I absolutely love, so I just really wanted to start talking about it. And when you see the statistics behind it, it blows my mind that it's offered like it is. So you have Desmond Bain over under 3.23s per game, like I mentioned. Clay, Dame, and Steph are the only players with a higher prop in terms of three-pointers made per game offered on DraftKings that I see. I believe Clay was at like 3.6, or Dame was at 3.6, Clay was at 3.4, and Steph was at 4 point something. Don't quote me on that. I believe that's what it was. So he was second in the league last year in three-point percentage at 43.6%. So Luke Kennard was the only guy who shot better than him from three, yet he was not top 25 in attempts per game. He was 10th in made per game. So you had guys like Evan Fournier and Kelly Oubre attempted more threes per game than Desmond Bain. As I mentioned before, Jaron Jackson out, and even when Jaron Jackson comes back, it's criminal that Bain is taking... 6.9 threes per game. He should be taking at least eight per game at the rate that he's making them. He's easily going to hit that 3.2 threes per game, in my personal opinion, which honestly, you look at the over-under, the over is minus 105, the under is minus 125. So he's more likely, according to the odds makers, to hit the under 3.2 than hit the over. Obviously, maybe people will think with more volume that – the percentage will go down. I don't believe that. And he should be taking more while he takes. And, and again, 3.23s per game, Desmond Bain. I don't use the word lock. I've said that. I'm not going to tell you guys what to bet. But just so you know, that's going to be one of the ones that I'm I'm definitely going to be focusing on this season. And I like a lot. I love his durability. I love, I mean, you saw last or in the playoffs, he was 
injured, he said, and he was still shooting the ball relatively well. Um, and yeah, I, I just can't talk about enough how much I like that prop and how much I think there's good value in it. So Desmond Bain, again, over 3.2 threes per game is my next prop that I've chosen. And those are the two Bain props that I had to talk about today. Two more to go. Both involve Ja Morant. No surprise there. Next one is my personal favorite. So I know I just talked about the Bane one and how much I love that. I love this one even more. That is Ja Morant over under 27.5 points per game this season. So that's 0.1 points per game more than he averaged last year. So just think about that. Ja Morant has gotten another offseason working. He has gotten another offseason to figure out you know, what he can do better. Another offseason with these players, and you're only going to increase the over-under for his points per game by .1 when you've, when this guy's shown consistently that he's always looking to get better, that he is going to get better. No Jaron Jackson Jr. to start. Dylan Brooks has, like I said last time, shown that he is more willing to take a a less important offensive role, thank, thankfully, or he's not going to take as many shots. He's looked in the mirror. The playoffs last year should have rinsed any idea that Brooks had that he's going to be some, you know, 1B to Jaws 1A or whatever Dylan Brooks sometimes seems to think he is. So, John Morant, over 27.5 points per game. I absolutely love it. If he's healthy, if he does what we're expecting him to do, this should be very easy. So, he had seven players who were above that mark last year. So, it's not like he has to be, you know, going crazy to hit this number. It's not that high of a number. DeMar DeRozan averaged more than that last season. Trey Young averaged more than that last season. And then the normal Giannis's and Beads, those kind of guys. Um, and he had 24 games at 30 last year. He obviously had the 50-point game. And then I think he had he had a couple 40-point games. So he should be consistently getting in the 30s. He's constantly growing his game. He's shooting a lot better from three. I said I said earlier he you know increases three point percentage by four percent from year two to three, so all that's coming into play for John Morant, who's virtually unstoppable. And when he does continue to improve that that shooting game, will be unstoppable because he'll have to honor the shot, and then he just gets in the lane. And we saw what happens to Malik Beasley when he does that. So this is my favorite prop of the night. This is the one that I'm going to play the most units on because I absolutely love it, John Morant. Should easily get 28 points per game. I think he's pushing 30 personally. That's how much I believe in this guy and how much I believe in this prop. So with that, that goes right into the last one of the day. Last one we'll talk about. And that is John Morant. And this is under the player. It is under player props. And then you have, sorry, player, sto- player stats, PPG, head-to-head is the, the tab in DraftKings Sportsbook. So you have a list of different players. Which player is going to average more? So you have like, you know, Embiid against Jokic. Which player is going to average more at the end of the season? And you have John Morant here, minus 165 to average more points than Nikola Jokic. I get that it's minus 165. I get that it's probably not worth it to lock the money in. But I guess if you want to, this is another one that I absolutely love. He's Jokic has never hit the points per game that Ja scored last year. So Ja had 27.4 points per game last season. Jokic had 27.1 in a year without um, Michael Porter Jr., without Murray. So Jokic, in his MVP season, a year without any help, averaged 27.1 points per game. 
wide now would his points per game go up from that? I don't know. Scoring is not even Jokic's best attribute, and he's going to have to be does not have to do as much of that now that Jamal Murray's back in the mix and Michael Porter Jr. So John Morant wins that by a landslide, but again, it's at minus 165. So I thought it was one to just throw in there because it was interesting and it was just a fun one to have that that DraftKings offered. So John Morant to score more points and average more points than Nikola Jokic is the last prop of the day that we'll talk about. So that's all for today. I appreciate you guys all for... For being here again, I thought that was a great episode with a lot of good props to talk about, allow you guys to lock in your final bets for the upcoming season before the first game, which will be October 17th, which is a Monday. We'll be back then to discuss the game, which is going to be the home home game, home opener against the New York Knicks. So I appreciate everyone again for all the support early on. Make sure to follow us on Twitter, which I got it wrong last time. It's at GrizzBearBets, so at G-R-I-Z-Z Bear. Bets is a Twitter. My personal Twitter at Chase Bob at nine and the Grizzly Bear Blues Twitter, which is at SBN Grizzlies. So again, check out all the great Grizzly related podcasts that we have on the podcast network. And we have a bunch of great written content out essentially every day at www.grizzlybearblues.com. So thank you all again. And I will see you guys next Monday to start the NBA season. Have a good one.